0: Hey there, it's Josh, your take-one producer again. If you heard yesterday's surprise episode, you know that this week we've got two episodes covering pages 51 and 52. Yesterday, we talked toasts, and today we're hearing Harold Lindenthal tell us about how his father, Rabbi Haskell Lindenthal, had an incredible insight about Havdalah. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, don't hesitate to go back and check them out. Even if you didn't read them on the correct day, they still have a lot of value whenever you listen. And now here's Leo with Harold Lindenthal. Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you one, just one insightful page of Talmud each day. And what an honor today to have as our guest Harold Lindenthal. Harold, you and I met when you were kind enough to invite us down to the last place you would think you would find an excellent Jewish school to the now sadly gone American Hebrew Academy in North Carolina. Right.
1: Well, it's no longer with us, but it was a wonderful, wonderful institution. I wish it was in existence when I was a kid, because it was a great combination of Jewish scholarship and academic scholarship on a campus that was amazingly beautiful. But... It didn't make it, and so it goes.
0: So, a, a while back, you very generously sent us a pair of books that your father had written. One of them is his biography, which was absolutely really inspiring because it seemed to touch on almost every kind of point in 20th century Jewish history. Tell us a little bit about the, the life of this remarkable man.
1: I'll give you a brief bio of my father, Rabbi Haskell Lindenthal, he was a, a Talmudic scholar and an exemplary community rabbi. He was born in a little uh, shtetl, Polish shtetl in 1916. At the age of 10 and a half, he left his parents and went to the larger town of Suwałk to begin his Talmudic studies. This is in Poland. So there at the Suvalka Rav, the Yosef Josulewicz, asked my father a question dealing with the Talmud tractate Baba Metziah. And my father answered correctly. And the Rav gave my father an affectionate pinch on the cheek and words of encouragement. And that gesture stayed with my father for the rest of his life. At the age of 12, he left Suvak and entered the Grudni Yeshiva. At age 17, he received smicha, rabbinical ordination, from the Talmudic genius, Reb Shimon Skop.
0: This is the Harvard of pre-war European Talmudic royalty.
1: Tremendous. From Grudna, he spent seven years of Talmud study at the Mir Yeshiva in Vilna, another Harvard of the Yeshiva world. Then the Polish army wanted to draft him, but uh, he was able to escape and went to Eretz Israel, where he received another ordination from the Hebron Yeshiva, and he learned to be a shohet, a ritual slaughterer, and a moel, or in Yiddish as they say, a moel. And he served for three and a half years in the Haganah, the pre state Jewish defense forces. He married my Jerusalem born mother, Naomi Weinberg, Zichrona Libraha, And because of some rights that my grandfather had, they were able to assert U.S. citizenship as long as my mother arrived in the U.S. before the age of 21. While still in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael I should say, my father learned uh, when casually reading a Hebrew newspaper that his shtetl and the neighboring communities had been invaded by the Germans and that his family along with the rest of the community was murdered in the Holocaust. By 1940, my parents were legal US citizens. My father's first job in America was in Roanoke, Virginia where he received warm hospitality not only from the Jewish community, but from the Gentile community. And my father completely fell in love with America. And that was a love that sustained him and was with him throughout his life. In Virginia, he went to his first baseball game. And I learned from a speech he gave that baseball was akin to the story of the Jewish people. There are balls and strikes and hits and errors and wandering, lots of wandering (laughs) around the base, accompanied by a profound yearning to make it back home. My father assumed the leadership of a tiny Orthodox shul in Hartford, Connecticut, made up of 60 elderly people, which he built up to a membership of 300 families. He also performed thousands of brises throughout Connecticut and western Massachusetts and suffered through the same bris jokes repeatedly. <laughs> During all the years he was the yeshiva buffer in Europe, every meal he ate was because of the generosity of a Jewish family. One day he would eat at the Goldbergs, the next day at the Rosenthal's, etc. In Yiddish, this is called esenteg, teg, something like day eating. Right. He was similarly generous without pay. 19 Orthodox Holocaust survivors were taught by my father as a means to make a living. He taught them shchita, ritual slaughter. They were housed and fed by my mother and another Jewish family. Whether it was kosher supervision, a bris, a wedding, a funeral, anything he could provide, No one was ever denied because of an inability to pay. My father committed massive amounts of Talmud, as well as the entire Tanakh to memory. While that was appreciated, what impressed my father the most was not tremendous learning, but rather ethical behavior, Menschlichkeit. My father had friendships with orthodox, conservative, and reformed laypersons and rabbis, as well as close, warm relations with many Gentiles in the community. He was Niftar. He passed on in 2008 with a good name.
0: Not only did I find his biography really remarkable for truly touching on, you know, both the struggle to form the state of Israel and to build American Jewish life and to have roots in pre-war Europe, but you sent me another book, which was his selections of favorite bits and, and bits of insight and wisdom and poetry, really, from the Talmud which I really enjoy quite a lot and keep it by my bedside and and look at it very frequently now. But I understand that he had a particular chiddush or innovation when it comes to today's page, Brachot 51. Share it with us, please.
1: Sure. So 51 talks about the house of uh, Hillel and the house of Shammai, and they're disputing what is the correct sequence of blessings to make when you're making, collectively speaking, havdalah. So... I was having a conversation with my good friend and Talmud Chacham Rabbi Shlomo Lex. We were discussing this the Chidushim, the novel insights that my father had regu- regarding the sequence of blessings. So, it goes something like this: the first blessing is over wine, borei priagafen. The second blessing is over spices, borei The third blessing is over the the light from the fire that comes from the Hadlulah candle. Wine is experienced with our mouth, spices experienced with our nose, and the light of the fire is experienced with our eyes. These three blessings correspond in an upward direction to the anatomy of our face. We go from the mouth up to the nose to the eyes.
0: Huh.
1: That in of itself, although we've made Abdullah a gazillion times, I've never heard anybody actually make that observation, but further. So taste, smell, and sight are capacities that we share with the animal world. But with the fourth blessing, the fourth and final blessing, Hamavdil Ben Ben Or Ben Yisrael, La Ben Yom, this blessing takes us much higher into another realm. Here we enter a transcendental world, a world that separates holiness from the profane, that separates spiritual light from spiritual darkness that separates Shabbos from the other six days of the week, et cetera. Unlike taste and smell and sight, to understand and appreciate the spiritual world contained in this last fourth blessing requires a sophisticated human mind. So we go up, up, up until we go very high into this transcendental world. My father's insight continues because the sequence of the blessings inversely correspond to the direction we are heading when we recite Havdalah. When we recite Havdalah, we're saying farewell to Shabbos, and we're heading to a world opposite of Shabbos. The fourth blessing that speaks of holiness is intentionally recited last, to remind us to bring Kedusha, holiness, into our dealings as we enter the mundane world. That's my father's insight.
0: That is so beautiful and touching. And you know what? I think... It has just transformed the way i would always look at havdala harold linenthal thank you so much and may your father's memory be a blessing and may his wisdom continue to teach us all
1: i just want to express my gratitude to you liel and to mark oppenheimer and to stephanie butnick and alana newhouse the brilliant leader of tablet magazine Just when I think that it can't get better, it does. So thank you so much. It's a work of genius.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Libowitz. our producer Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope you've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.